Cactus. I love the cactus emoji. I think it's a solid emoji. Tweet. I should also DM. Oh, perfect. Hi, Randy. I was literally just about to uh, DM y'all. Wait, where is this? Okay, and now we're back. Now we're, now we're good. I sent the tweet. I sent the DM. Everybody's kind of chilling. And uh, good morning, Randy. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. Another beautiful day in the Northeast. It's still warm, and that is most of what I care about. Hmm. It's a it's a very rainy day today in Toronto. Yeah, yesterday was the more rainy day, but I got lucky because I it rained early. And I was like, okay, I'll just like do my workout like later when it's not rainy. And then it stopped raining, and then I got my workout done. And then as soon as I finished, it rained again. That's nice. I'm I'm thinking of. I really want to do the whole Etobicoke to Toronto bike again. You know, I, I, and I saw that those photos. I'm like, that's all I gotta do, just bike. <laughs> that's bike it. Life. That's it. You just bike. gotta. You just gotta push those pedals. Just push the pedals. Keep pushing. <laughs> That's all you got to do. All right. I should pin those photos for reference so people know what we're talking about. But anyway. Uh, you see anything interesting these few days? Um, before, before I go into anything, in, like any news, I want to talk about support.so. Do you know what that is? Wait, What? Super.so. SL? SO. SO. Yeah. Okay. Now we go to the interwebs and we search super.so. What is this? What will come up? Build simple websites with nothing but Notion? Okay, talk. Go, Randy. Yes. So, okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweet something. Um, even though I'm not supposed to tweet it, but I'm still going to tweet it because, you know, why not? Um, essentially, it's a snippet of our new website. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm tagging you in it. I'll open it right now. Okay, I pinned this. So I did this using Notions. And the back end is all editing on Notion. How crazy is that? So what you do is you 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 buy a template's code you, you choose essentially whichever template you like you buy its code and then on super.so all you do is just copy and paste the, the the heading and the body code um into into the styling and then on the back end all you need to do is edit it like a notion like you would a notion document and it just updates as a website and that's fucking crazy because you know my, my my devs were spending maybe three weeks trying to build our, our landing page. And then I found this. I was like, yo, I'll stop. I'm doing this. You focus on the product. And it just it blew my mind how amazing this is. Wait, this is just the, this is just Notion? This is a Notion document that is linked to Sopra.so with just the styling code that you get online. Ah, that's like so cool. <laughs> Wait, so right? you literally have... All right, so for anybody who's just listening, it's literally an entire landing page on, like, a Notion doc. 
And I guess you can kind of see the inspiration from Notion. But other than that, like, it looks like it could be, like, an actual website. It's got a... It's got the options at the top. It's got a menu on the side. It's got a little picture and some basic, uh, like, landing stuff. Yeah, like, my GenZ.fm website looks more like Notion, right? And I, 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 I did that on Super.so as well. So it's you can compare both, but that was a different styling code. And I wanted to purposefully keep it like a Notion um, styling code because, I don't know, I just I liked it. And I'll, I'll screenshot it and send it as well just so people know what it looks like. Um, but this one, this one looked, I was surprised by how, how professionally it looked. That is... Yeah, it's interesting how people use tools, like they use simple tools to do what's supposed to be complicated things. Yeah, so you can swipe and see like the difference between what a Notion looking website looks like versus what, you know, the landing page looks like, which is completely different. I don't know. I, f- I fell in love with it yesterday. It's it's you know how I preached Figma for the longest time. Now I'm gonna be preaching Super Dot so for a really long time. Oh, this is this is cool. This is cute. I like this. I'm gonna. I may use this. I feel like this would be super cool for like a personal website as well. Yeah, yeah. So the the, the Gen Z FM, I got a template to use a personal website. So there's this really cool guy. Um, I follow his name is let me let me get his name. Oh, we were just chatting the other day. Um, it starts with a U. U U U U. Where are you? So his name is Yusuf. Also, or I'll send you his tag later. But essentially, he creates Notion websites, and he created um, one of these Notion templates, and it's like for your personal, essentially like your personal portfolio. Um, and I bought it for twelve dollars, and I set up the Gen Z FM, and it was. It was pretty cool. It was pretty awesome. Very easy to set up. Very customizable. Still looked like my own, but used his styling. I think that's the other thing. It's Um, like, it's 12 bucks. Yeah, it is. So, okay. So, Super.so is 12 bucks a month to actually one. Yeah, that's just like a normal website. But like, the the template for like a solid template is like $12. Yeah, the template forever is 12 bucks. Um... And then if you want to actually link it to a domain on super.so, you have to buy it for $12 a month. Now you can still do like a super dot, like you can launch it live, um, but it, it wouldn't be, with, if you don't want to pay it, then it's not going to connect to a domain that you want. Yeah. Um, so you can still have it like a bit.ly link if you don't want to pay the 12 a month um, or a link tree link. Yeah. But yeah. No, I think that works because websites is one of those things where it's getting to the point where almost everybody has to have one. 
Like it's yeah. there is no like yeah, there's paper resumes, but so many times people ask for websites, especially if you're doing most things. Right. Mm-hmm. They ask for a website, they wanna see that you like have put time into organizing your information and also it's like Yeah, you can hand somebody your resume, but like how much does that actually tell them? Yeah. It's just, it's also easier if you meet someone one day, no matter who they are. And they're like, yo, so what do you do? And you're like, here, check it out. And they turn out to be like someone important. And they're like, oh, this is pretty or cool. Or they just send and it to another person. Or they send it to another person. Yeah, it's a lot easier than, you know, sending a resume and linking a resume versus just, oh, here's like a very short link. Check out this person. I met him. You know, he was memorable, made an impression, whatever. I might have to check this out because I was building mine on Wix. So it's just like I'm, I'm not a designer. Wix is stupid. I'm sorry. Wix is Wait, stupid. why do you say Wix is stupid? I like Wix. It's not stupid. I think just... Squarespace is stupid. Now every now everything is stupid <laughs> to me. After I discovered this, I'm like people spend time designing their websites. I'm like now every other tool is stupid to me. Now we're all just. Oh, this is actually, like, hilarious. I'm, like, watching the little demo video of this. It's actually pretty cool. Okay. I'm just gonna... Yes, yeah, super cool. I'm gonna have to check this out. All right. Good morning, Dr. J. Morning, Dr. J. Letting y'all know that we are doing a deep talk tomorrow with Dr. J, that that's happening. I know we talked about. Oh, I'm so excited for that! I've been. Yeah, promo's that. coming out after this because I realized I can't actually share the link to it until I schedule it, which I can't schedule it until this one ran. So then I'm gonna schedule it as soon as I do this, and then link it to the video, which is gonna be pretty similar to the. It's gonna be the same thing that I shared last time, just like a little handwriting thingy, with some music and then the link, and we're gonna do the, and then we're gonna talk. We're going to talk tomorrow. And it's going to be a good talk. It's going to be fun. Uh, other thing. Oh. This was interesting. So yesterday, Jack tweeted, what would music, like, Donda, Kanye should put out Donda as it is now and then update it. And then somebody actually made, like, a little UI draft of if albums had versions and I thought that was mad cute. And I also think that would be mad cool. This is actually really nice. Yeah, because I think one of the things that happens a lot is people go, well, one, albums are a lot of work for an artist. So people work for a long time. And sometimes it goes, oh, I don't know if I want to put it out like this or maybe there's a couple more things i want to add or i want to get this track on it but i don't know if i can uh but i want to put it out so maybe this track goes later and then there's also the situation where people have uh they put out singles so it's not like they already don't kind of do this people put out singles and then put out the rest of the album and at least but i think how yeah. it works now is like they put out the single and then they take down the single and then put up the album or replace it yeah, i don't know exactly how do that, that works but essentially they do update it 
They just don't use it at that level. Yeah. Oh, but that's, 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 that's a really cool idea. Let me, let me tweet that. Because honestly, some, someone should work on this. Because, and maybe I shouldn't say this, but an idea, I guess. Uh, I had an idea a while ago to do an album like uh, like a season of a TV show where you literally like drop one at a time and they keep building. Um, why doesn't that work though? See, I'm not, I'm not very, very versed in the music and just seeing how I don't even know if it hasn't worked because I don't know if anybody's tried it. But they're, it's, it's very intuitive. You think they would have tried it, then there's a reason why they don't do it. I, I don't know. Maybe because it's, it's hard to string along people for multiple events. Yeah, I don't know. I would have to... That would be an interesting thing to see. Like, why don't people, like, kind of spread out singing? Because there are artists now that just release singles. Right? And there are some... Like, a lot of EDM artists, I guess, do this now, where it's like, we're just gonna... We're gonna be primarily a single artist, and they don't really release albums. And then there's other folks that go, I'm gonna work... For only albums and then we'll drop like a single or two and then get to the album oh. and there's hybrids but there is no like album as a continuous living thing anyway dad are you joined did you have someone you want to plug in all right back to randy Did you know that Facebook had a dating service or has a dating service? Yes, I did see that one time when I opened Facebook and I was like, this is dumb. I did not know that. Yeah, remember remember yesterday when I said Facebook was doing too much? Yeah, it's one of those. (laughs) It's just one of those. Oh, wait, here's the other thing. Apparently, Yik Yak's coming back. Yik Yak is coming back. Okay. Do you not remember Yik Yak? Interesting. I do remember Yik Yak. That's why I'm like, what? Like, so, interesting. Very interesting. Like that. Like I'm interested to see what version two looks like, because of yeah. the fact that Yik Yak kind of took over a lot for a minute. I never used it, but I know it took over for a minute. I never used it either. Yeah, so I think, well, for anybody who doesn't know what Yik Yak is, I believe it was a thing for setting up events that people could, like, RSVP to, like, short term. Like, this was, like, very, like, oh, I'm going to do something, pull up kind of thing, if I remember correctly. What was Yik Yak? Tell me, Google. <laughs> it was an anonymous messaging app. Yeah, this is a New York Times article on the rise and fall of Yikak. It's 
There's no comment. Factory students twice. Apparently, there was a whole bunch of wild shit going down on Yuki because it was anonymous messaging app. Yeah, see, here's the thing. It's like when... I think this is the weird part. It's like when things are anonymous, things get dicey. All right, so I'm going to revise my statement. One, I was very wrong on what Yik Yak was. Two, Yik Yak was an anonymous messaging app. So you can message people anonymously. Things get dicey when... Yeah, I, I remember it had it had a very big... like It was, it was very big in decentralization. And I don't remember much about it, but I remember a lot of people complaining. Like when I say a lot of people, like a lot of parents complaining about it. Yeah, parents always complain about everything. So. Yeah, parents always complain. I feel like that's not a good. That's not. A, that's not a good yeah, answer. that's not a good indicator um, of like what's bad yeah. about an app. That's 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 very interesting. Yeah, it was just the, from what I'm reading here. It's like the main problem was that it was anonymous, and then shit was going down, and they couldn't stop it. So, yeah, it was it was a, it was a decentralized network, um, and you could not essentially track anything. It was very hard for you know kids, underage kids. And, meeting people well i mean i feel like part of it is one underage kids like get them off yeah i think i think that was one of the biggest problems is underage but at the same time it's like okay people do things now the the crap the cool part about using anonymous messaging is that people can do things that they feel like they couldn't do when people were watching them like maybe be a little bit more scary or say things that are a little bit that they feel like they, that they feel like would be like really cool to do but it's like I need to be like super straight at the same time the downside is that people can do things that people wouldn't do if the other people were watching them like it's the same upside and the same downside yeah that's the whole upside and downside of any decentralized yeah. system is uh, people can freely do whatever the fuck but they the want. issue is like people can freely do whatever the fuck the issue want. is it's like there comes a situation where, where a lot of times when individuals do shitty things on the platform people say it's the platform's fault or they they try to hold the platform responsible yeah it's the same as if you break your neck on a shop's stairs for some reason you are suing the yeah. shop you're not suing yourself and i think that's a dumb thing personally no, I think like for personally I think... I think there is maybe there's a level of responsibility that the shop should have but it's like i don't know if there is if they didn't like throw ice and oil on the stairs you fell like you're the person that fell. I, I don't. I don't think it's as easy as if you fall. I think it's like if you, like if you trip over yourself and it's you're just a clumsy person. It's not the the store's fault. But if there's any kind of violation, 
in anything and the way the stairs are built if because sometimes stairs can be too steep and that's a violation um if there is you know been cleaning and they didn't have so what, whatever but like what is, if you just trip then, down a ski slope and it's steep a ski slope yeah like it's it's steep it's steeper than a normal thing yeah but you sign your life when you go skiing on any slope you sign your part of the terms and conditions is saying i signed my life yeah away. so if people are joining gigag understanding that like yo this is anonymous and this is going to be weird and then they complain that the thing's anonymous or that people not involved like it's that kind of situation now now i i think it's going to depend on the good versus the bad that is happening on the platform so let's say if there's more um pedo action that is happening or more illegal action that is happening on the platform then there is productive conversations that's when the platform should be held so it falls down to platform take hold of your culture not so much take a hold of your people yes because if they create a a culture where you know pedos are thriving that's the platform's design's fault it's not really the people's fault or of course it's the pedo's fault but I'm not, like, the, the, the platform should be held accountable more than anything um if it's you know cases of like one two case you know it's bound to happen it happens on any social media even instagram or snapchat then that's not really the the, the, the platform's fault but if it becomes like a you know if it becomes a site that is known where you know pedophiles go or people who want to do terrible shows or say terrible shit go then that becomes a little bit like okay you gotta it's it's either you gotta fix something or there has to be some kind of centralization and some kind of monitoring where it's still anonymous but somehow we know if like if someone who's a sex offender is on the app and we're able to track them or you know someone who's uh whatever it is Devin, did you have something you want to plug in? I saw you joined. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm not really familiar with Yik Yak. I, I know, broadly speaking, there is, you know, a certain level of, you know, s- this isn't the right terminology for this specific sector, but standard of care. Uh, and, you know, not upholding yourself to that standard can be seen as negligence. So, you know, if you have bad actors that you can identify on your platform and you're doing nothing to remove them, then yeah, it's definitely an issue Uh, to go back to, you know, you talking about stairs um, you know, it's pretty uh, to do a different analogy. If, if I invite you over to my house and we're hanging out in the backyard and you trip and break your ankle, perhaps I'm not, you know, you could sue me, but there's probably not too much validity in that. But if there's some abnormal aspect to my yard, like, hey, I have a bunch of gophers and there's all these holes and it's really easy to trip on one of these holes and I don't warn you about that, then, you know, that the, the onus is on me. I should have disclosed that. I should have done something about it. I didn't disclose it to you. I let you hurt yourself on my property. Now I'm liable. You know, you can think about it like that. There's a certain expectation uh, for care and, and, you know, not upholding to that. Um, that's when these platforms are getting themselves into all kinds of trouble. So it's kind of like a platform should have a responsibility to uh, tr- 
basically caring for the community that they have and if they know something is something bad is going on that they should address it yeah and i mean for these platforms i can't say with specificity what exactly that threshold is and i i'm not sure if every single platform should be held to exactly the same uh threshold that was about to be my next right was this like if we're talking about this and like yiki should be monitoring and adjust like uh should be handling things that happen in an anonymous messaging app right what about i mean when it's supposed to be anonymous i mean plain and simple miners probably shouldn't be on a platform like that plain and simple (laughs) outside of that i really can't say what the best approach would be because you know for me personally i'm a huge believer in in in, you know the idea of of freedom of speech though these are private platforms but there you know there are lines to tread how much do you want to infringe on people's ability to speak their mind um yeah that's what i was saying it's like yesterday we were talking about apple and the the case that they're saying they're going to start scanning photos to check for child abuse and start it like if there are images of child abuse on somebody's phone they're going to solve like basically take approaches to solve that issue whether that's uh, alerting the authorities or uh inve- sending them information so the authorities can investigate right so does would that not fall under the same you have something bad going on in your platform therefore it is your responsibility to handle it Right. So, I mean, there are some nuances there in that 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 isn't necessarily a social platform. We're talking about privately stored images. Um, Well, yes, but at the same time, I would caution not calling Apple a social platform. Mainly because a lot of the things that people like the entire purpose of Apple is to be connected. Sure. Right. So, so is the telephone. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, yeah. So it is. <laughs> it is essentially a social network, <laughs> right? At the end of the day, it is a network that is meant to be used for socializing and talking and connecting. Right? But so if, these, the if it, these, it is the same goal. If these images aren't being openly shared as they would be, say, on on Twitter or something. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to support any of these actions, but I will say my, my one concern with that shift is, as with most other backdoors that we give the government, it starts under the well, idea of one thing and then it proliferates, right? I do want to clarify, this isn't giving the government a backdoor. This is Apple going, this is Apple saying they're going to watch. And then if they catch something, they'll give it to the government. Right. And it starts that way, just as other platforms have done so. And then it shifts because they don't want to allocate the resources. And the government says, hey, we'll support you, apply the resources and do it for you. And then it doesn't just go from from one thing. It starts looking for others and, you know, it branches out. And we, we, we've seen this happen for, for other platforms historically and and for other causes historically and um you know if if people value privacy you know that's it's a risk i mean people are always going to use privacy for for bad things but 
there, you know, most good people still value privacy and good people should have a right to it. So I don't know. Randy, you have thoughts? I still hold the same stance as yesterday. I think this topic is, it, it has a lot of different ethical issues, not just whether should we protect children or not. It has a lot of ethical issues regarding privacy, regarding your own personal phone. Like someone's, no matter what kind of, I'm storing photos with the, with with the knowledge that these are my private photos, okay? And let's say, you know, my, I have some private photos with me and, and, and my boyfriend or, you know, I have some private photos of my mom or in case of like Muslim families, you know, they have photos of themselves and their moms without their, you know, hijab or whatever it is. It's such an invasion of privacy because that is, that is, that's something that you hold on to, right? And now there's an organization, even if they're not looking at it, you know, in a, in, in a social manner, it's still, those are private photos. Brandy, you cut. It's, it's, it's looking at, and then you've got, uh, sorry. Um, yeah, so these are private photos that you know, you're, you're putting your faith in the institution that you're holding the photos in, which is iPhone, that they're going to be for your eyes and your eyes and your phone only. And now you've got people letting photos and trying to identify pedophiles, which means there's going to be a very huge invasion of privacy for everybody who has photos on the cloud, um, which is a very, it's very concerning. But then on the outside, it's like, what does photo privacy matter when there's, you know, kids being endangered against pedophiles, right? So it's, 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 it's I think there are very two different ethical and moral conversations that are, are very difficult to have on their own and together as well. So it's, it's still very hard for me to say, to be honest, because, you know, on one hand, I'm like, I don't want nobody seeing my photos. But on the other hand, if someone's seeing my photos to protect a child who's being a victim of sexual abuse. I also go. Does it matter anymore? Yeah, you know? I also go like, how really is it important is it that somebody doesn't see your photos that you took in ShopRite? <laughs> like how like your ugly yeah, photos, yeah, but, but, the ugly selfies that you took. Things like that. It's like how we're not we're not talking about those kind of photos because a lot of people have nudes on their phones, right? So now you're not you're exposing something that is also very private to you. So if you're someone who has nudes. And you keep that on your phone, even no matter how irresponsible you want to argue it is. That's your phone. That's your privacy. That's also your risk. That, 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 that is your risk. But why should it be someone's risk? Like, why should it be at the expense of risking my private photos, right? So, again, these are very two different conversations, I think, that morally have two different stances. My stance is if somebody has to look at my photos to protect a child, then go ahead and look at my photos. Doesn't mean I'm with what Apple is doing. But again, if you're going to look at my photos to protect a child that is being endangered, it doesn't matter to me. But that's a different conversation for many different people, right? Yeah, there are costs. I think that is, there is a discussion. It's like, okay, at what point do we in the social contract say that this is the cost the cost of just having a better society. 
Yeah, one one thing that this brings me back to thinking about in a similar vein, um, you know, R- Randy mentioned, you know, certain pictures we're not talking about, but what about, you know, sensitive pictures or private pictures? But, uh, you know, from a from a large, you know, top down view, I think it's kind of all the same. It's the principle of the matter, really. It doesn't matter if it's a picture of my lunch or it's a nude <laughs> of my girlfriend or whatever. Um it's the same thing as as um, like uh, being being pulled over by by police and people say, oh, well, we should be able to pull over anyone no matter what. And if you're innocent and you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to worry about. We're looking to catch the bad guys. But we've seen time and time again, you know, entities ab- abuse that power, abuse those rules. And there's that kind of power creep that infringes on, on our implicit right to liberty, right? It's the argument and, that absolute power corrupts absolutely kind of situation. Sh- sure. I mean, and, and that's part of it. And even if it doesn't continue to, you know, expand, that alone, we have to acknowledge it, it infringes uh, on something that, at, at least in the U.S., I believe it is constitutionally should be guaranteed to us. So, you know, where where is that line? All right. So I'm going to transition now because we did talk about this topic. I don't want to go down the rabbit hole, to be honest, again. Uh, although it is a good topic and we can probably talk for hours about it. So actually, for now, I'm going to toss it to this because I kind of want to hear Randy's opinion on MKBHD and the WaveFord team joining Vox Media's uh, collective. Like pot, like Vox Media pods. Hi. Because I thought this was interesting. Yeah, yeah, we hear you. So, Randy, the because what I thought was interesting about this is like MKBHD is like an independent YouTube channel, and now his podcast mm-hmm. is like he's saying, okay, the podcast thing that I do related to me will be now be with an actual medium called Vox Media Pods. Wait, so this this YouTuber has a podcast, and their podcast is... Uh, has now is, joined is Vox Media. Is it, it's going to become a Vox Media. Yes. Okay. See, uh, this is exactly why... Um, I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant. Go. Uh, this is exactly why um, I'm building Ucast, because... Unless a podcast is so big, and I, see, I know a lot of people were calling Joe Rogan stupid for selling, um, or you know, selling the rights to Joe Rogan to Spotify. But I think it was actually very smart, um, thinking about it because when a podcast reaches such a large level of audience, having it monitored and being um, planned by a corporate is just a lot easier for the individual creator than you know having doing it on his own. Um, on our podcast, and I'm not, I, I've never listened to his podcast, so I don't know what the size of his podcast is, but let's say small to medium podcast. Selling your podcast right to an agency oh, is, is, is very It's a pretty decent sized podcast. How, how, how large are we, are we talking? Because I see he has 5 million I will followers give on, you this on Twitter. Ch- so I'm assuming maybe 100,000 so, listeners average. It 
it's a hundred thousand subscribers for a little bit over 50 consistently okay so that's considered a medium podcast so it's not it's not a large podcast right um yeah it started three months ago okay so yeah he has he has a really good following um but for for such medium podcasts um usually when agencies take control um they also take control of content um they also take very large share of profit like i just i just keep on thinking the the story of call her daddy with barstool and what happened um there there there's a lot of essentially the agency is not going to look out for you as the creator of the podcast the agency will always look out for itself and how the podcast fits within the agency um you lose all your independence right as a creator as soon as you join an agency now i'm not saying all of them are right that are like that there are some decent ones but i'm talking very generally so by giving those rights to essentially anybody you you just you you just lost your independence as a creator for the sake of making a little bit more money and for the sake of publicity and for the sake of someone being able to manage your podcast a lot better um and and there's a very big episode of joe rogan literally just talking to joe rogan and bench who was it god i forgot who's who who he was he was a very famous comedian um but they were just talking about selling whatever creator rights to any agency um and how terrible it is so i don't know just it i, I don't like it I, I i think there's a lot of exploitation in my opinion okay i actually want to all right i'm going to see if i can google the actual details of this because i want to see if they actually gave up all of those like yeah rights and ownership or like how much ownership they gave versus how much control they gave yada 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 because i don't see him i see him doing a similar to what kind of joe rogan did where it's like i'm going to make my content you just do what you want with it. you just help me get it out there and then we'll s- maybe split some of the profit or whatever uh, okay. So let, let me let me tell you with them with these agencies, it's very rare not to give um, half of your podcast away or half of your ownership away. Um, I think that's what happened with. I'm not. I'm not. I don't remember the percentage, but that's what happened with Caller Daddy. And Caller Daddy was a pretty big podcast that at the beginning, in the first couple of months of it launching, I think it it was getting at one point million views or listenership and more. Um, well, from what I I thought that was like the episode after Barstool shouted them out or got them on. I don't remember the details, but essentially it was they they they, they took I believe half of the rights of Caller Daddy, and they Barstool was net, was netting a lot more than the hosts were, and they were paying a host the hosts a salary. Um, well. That, that not- kind of goes to it, it's funny because um, the, when you get somebody early, and this happens everywhere from podcast deals to music contracts, right? Is um, when you get in early with somebody, you are gambling. So 
when you're running the company that's making these deals, you go, all right, I'm gambling on you. Therefore, I want the return on the risk that I'm taking on you right now. Because 80% of those deals do not pan out at all. They I'm, 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 I'm sorry, but I don't I don't think that's a valid argument because as an agency, um, I, I'm also thinking about it from a from an investor's point of view, right? And I'm thinking about it if I right now get an investor to like in fundraising and they're putting money in my company, and they ask for half of my company, I'd be like, no. Nah. Even if their even if their argument is we have absolutely no data to prove that your company is gonna work. It's still it's still a bullshit argument because as as I think as professionals and as agencies, um, as people who are able to monitor the macro and the micro um, of that industry, they're able to understand what kind of content is going to do better than other. And there, yes, there are you know sign offs where you think they're going to do amazing and blow up and they don't do well, and there are sign offs where you're, you don't have hope for them, but somehow they blow up, right? But there's Here's- still there's still a very good metric and a very good understanding of how well your investment is going to do it's not guaranteed but there is an understanding and you and cannot you cannot say that the risk justifies how much they're taking because in the end that's their choice of taking the risk right well one in companies it's a little bit different than when you're investing in creators one uh, because there's more like hard stats in there Creators is it, it's more like we are betting that we can make this Play-Doh into something that other people will like. One, and then at the same time, it just it, I, it feels like the creators are one a lot more volatile, and two, when you have these agencies, it's not like they're placing small bets because at in startups you can kind of bet small but it, it a lot of times when these uh deals with for example music artists happen they don't bet small most of the time they bet big because a lot of times there's not to say that this is wrong or right it's, there's a mentality of like if we don't put all of, if we don't put a lot of resources behind this or enough resources behind this it will essentially be like putting nothing behind this one and then also that is an opinion that you have based off of the information that you have and your ability to look long term right and a lot of times the the people that they reach out to with these information, they reach out to them with these deals before they have all of this information, right? Like you're starting a company, you've researched starting a company, you've looked at a lot more information about this. For example, the Caller Daddy deal, they had just started talking into a microphone for like taking videos. And then I'm like, oh, wait, you're giving us a deal a month into us doing like starting this thing that we were just doing for fun cool like we know nothing about this but this seems really dope and now you're giving us millions of dollars and then we still get millions of dollars out of the deal uh, and i i don't necessarily see the the bad side in the beginning if it's a reasonable bet 
Although I do agree that it's like time frame should be smaller, but it's, this goes back to the conversation Colin and Samir had in their video on Monday, which was, look, this is just a thing that doesn't work out. It doesn't on average leave both parties happy in the long run because if they blow up, then it's like, okay, well we need to do, we need to readjust this. And then the people who made the bet go, yeah, but you wouldn't have gotten this big if I didn't give you what I like, if I didn't help make your career, your career wouldn't exist. Therefore I feel like I should still be getting a portion of your career. There's still that mentality, which logically has some traction, but at the same time, I feel like it gets taken to the extremes. Um, let me get back to looking for the details on this deal, but you go, Randy. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, I think it's very justifiable when it's a show as big as Joe Rogan. Um, I think at that point, I don't think anybody would want to manage that. So it's easier to give it off to a company that is going to manage it for you. But for like, for such a creator, you said he has brought like 50,000 active listeners, 100,000 active or 100,000 subscribers to his podcast. That is a very small podcast still, right? And it's... Well, I, I do want to say I, that... I, I see a lot of... I want to add additional context. His... Um, just for example, his actual account, like MKBHD, like Marquez Brownlee's YouTube account, 14.5 million. So that's the person in this podcast. Yeah, but but they're buying... I know it's completely different, but I just to wanted to add entire... context. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, apparently nobody has any details on this deal. Yeah, apparently the only two things that come up on Google when you search are the Vox Media blog post and the post on Twitter. That's it. Okay, so they're still they're not making the deal public, okay. Um yeah, I, Maybe I, I they will really make it public and nobody's finished writing. Even though he spoke a lot. Uh, maybe they just didn't finish signing and fin like actually going through with the contract um, or they have a couple of things they need to get done before they release that information um, but yeah I feel like uh, it's going to depend on what the deal looks like yeah I'm interested to see what this deal is going to look like yeah me okay. too me too so it is 8.59. Is there any other points that we want to bring up before we get out of here? Going once, going twice. Nope. All right. With that, I have about three more articles that I have in my bookmark that, I get, that I'm going to try and finish reading so we can talk about tomorrow. And uh, my only last announcement, well, Randy, did you have any uh, church announcements? Do you want to give before we get out of here? Uh, no, other than the second episode of my podcast is coming out either today or tomorrow afternoon. So keep an eye out, but that's it. Okay. Uh, my own thing is 
deep talk with Dr. J tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern time, I believe. So look forward to that and promo coming within the next hour and some change. Catch you later, y'all. See y'all tomorrow. Peace.